2: Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 877. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, Loot Crate are incredible items that get delivered to you every month without fail. You're going to spend a little bit of money and you're going to get a big return in both joy and also dollar amounts versus what you spent on it. Uh, it's pop culture stuff. It's it, they, These are unique, one-of-a-kind items that are made just for you. Uh, it's gear, housewares, collectibles. And then you know it's coming, but then you forget. So then it comes, and then it's even better. And they've expanded. So if you want bigger loot, you can get Loot Crate DX. Or if you want stuff for your pets, there's Loot Pets.
1: Scout, you could get stuff. <laughs>
2: That's what I think Scout sounds like. <laughs>
1: That's
2: what Scout sounds like when Scout is having a, a dream yeah. while we're podcasting. and they're just
1: She was just <laughs> doing that just now. I don't know if you heard what her. I think
2: she's doing running, chasing something. I
1: don't know. Is I like, it to, I like a- sometimes it sounds like a nightmare. But because I love her so much, I like to think it's not a nightmare and that she's just chasing squirrels.
2: And so uh, you you have to get down and like just pet yeah. her and let oh her know that all she's
1: the okay. we'll be like in the other room sometimes watching G V and she's in the bedroom because she goes to bed at like eight o'clock.
2: I got to show you some pictures she by the way that. because we did an episode of At Midnight that's airing uh, tonight, Tuesday, the sixth of June, with the cast of Downward Dog.
1: Love that show! Watch that show; it's so good.
2: Okay, so here's what we did: we partnered with a place called Paw Works, yeah, which is like uh, a, a rescue, rescue, place. yeah. And they brought – we had a couple of pens. Uh, we had a <gasps> pen of rescue puppies and a pen of rescue dogs. Oh. And I I, want them all. I was playing with the rescue puppies and they said, well, don't play with the rescue dogs and then go back to the puppies because the puppies are still too young. to have had their shots. But they were – I'm going to show you pictures, Katie. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. It's going to blow your... – I'm going to have to watch. This is tonight?
2: It's tonight. I'm, it. uh, I'm just going to show this to you, Katie, and then you can just sort of react.
1: Oh, <gasps> You should adopt that puppy.
2: That's Roderick. Oh. I was sleeping on the puppy pile. I love it. I can't because of our cat Anubis. He's Thank not cool. He's a great cat, but he's not cool with other animals. Oh. No. So anyway, we could get loot pets for Anubis or loot pets for one of these rescue pups. Uh... Drop the exp-
1: pet and get it loot pet, sorry.
2: Loot pet. <laughs> well, in June's Loot Crate, you're going to find items from Spider-Man, Transformers, The Hulk, DC Comics, and then one subscriber will win a mega crate of epic proportions. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and when the cutoff happens, it's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash Nerdist, enter the code Nerdist, the same 10% off any new subscription today. But Katie, it seems like you have uh, something to share from the Nerdist community corkboard.
1: I do. Uh, we had a guy Nick Ralg, it's R-A-L-G, I have no idea how to pronounce that. He's a 24-year-old sing, singer-songwriter from Webster, New York. He has a SoundCloud music page, and uh, he would love people from the Nerdist community to listen to it. He said the podcast has been a big influence on the way that he looks at creating and putting out his own material. So uh, you can find all, he records it all himself. Oh, that's cool, on a little Tascam. 8-track uh, studio recorder. Oh, that's cool. So you can find all his stuff on SoundCloud by searching Nick Ralg, and that's R-A-L-G. Uh, also, I just want to remind people that there's plenty of other stuff always happening at Nerdist. We have a whole roster of amazing podcasts, like Will You Accept This Rose, The Jackie and Lori Show, Puck Soup, The Writer's Panel, and way more. Plus, there are amazing, hilarious, and affordable live shows at the Nerd Melt showroom every night. You can go to Nerd Melt LA com to find out more info. And if you are interested in learning how to write or perform comedy yourself, good, uh, you should join the Nerdist School. There's sketch, improv, acting classes, and you can find out all that info at NerdistSchool.com.
2: Fantastic. Uh, also, the ID10T Festival is coming up. June 24 and 25 at the Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. <laughs> uh, and so in addition to bands like Weezer and OK Go, we have a comedy stage with comedians like uh, we got your Garfunkel and Oates. We have uh, Dimitri Martin, Michael Che, a um, bunch of great comics, and then a Comic-Con in the center of it. We have some panels. There's going to do they're going to do a Town there. Live Danskin podcast. Harmantown, live Nerds podcasts, um, Portlandia panel, Stand Against Evil panel, and then uh, some other panel. Uh, Portlandia. Ooh, did nice. I say Portlandia? I no. think you did. I, mean, I said Harmontown. Portlandia. and then, uh, Or I'll just say Portlandia two or three times. <laughs> and then some more panels that we're about to announce. So uh, go to ID10TFest.com and come join us up in Northern California at the end of the month. Uh, this episode is TJ Miller. He's promoting his new special, Meticulously Ridiculous, which is Saturday, June 17th on HBO, Uh, and then it'll be on HBO Go and HBO Now, and then listen to Cashing In with T.J. Miller, the podcast on the Nerdist Network, um, with uh, T.J. and Cash. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's that. This episode also brought to you by Audible, which has the best audiobook performances, the largest library, and most exclusive content, pretty much anything you want. Uh, you can listen to, which is great because I don't always have time to sit down and open a book and look at the words. I'm on my way to places. I'm traveling. Uh it's very helpful for me to busy. be able to listen. I'm busy in Los Angeles. I'm in my car all the time. Right now I'm listening to a book called The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which is uh it's of this method, the the Konmari method, mm-hmm. which uh was it was created by this woman named Marie Kondo and she it it uh it's this method of of learning how to tidy up all the, the crap in your house and in your life. Yeah. But it's all tied to, you know, we have psychological reasons that we are messy. And so it, it basically teaches huh. you how to declutter your life in a way that ultimately will make you happier. Because, you know, when your house is less cluttered, when your workspace yeah. is less cluttered, there's less clutter in your mind. And so it, they, it kind of works back and forth. But I'm listening, I'm listening to that now. So uh, that I'm pretty excited about. That sounds awesome. That this.
1: sounds like it would be very helpful for a lot of people.
2: I think it would be uh, helpful for a lot of people. So yeah, that's it. Uh, the, ma- the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I'm listening to it on Audible. And, and wherever I listen to it, whether it's on the phone or on the computer or wherever, it's, uh, it, it, it saves wherever you are oh, in the book. So you don't have to find it again on another device. It's just it's consistent on all your devices. Uh, You get all of your stuff on on any one of your devices, and you own these things. And so uh, it's just a great way to be able to absorb content instead of listening to the same playlist or the same you know Spotify playlist that you listen to over and over again or Pandora station. Fill your head with something, you know, try a mystery book or a romance novel or a sci-fi book or, or something nonfiction or some way to, some, so, something self-help related. You improve your life. You can do that and Audible will help you do that. Uh, start your 30-day trial at Audible. for It's free. You can learn more at audible.com nerdist. That is audible.com nerdist. Here's Nerdist Podcast number 877 with T.J. Miller. A three-peat. This is number three, right? T. Yeah, is number, number three? three. All right, Katie, roll the number three.
1: Now entering nerdist.com
0: Do this in between
2: all of the other things. I do. Yeah, we squeeze it in throughout the uh, throughout the day because it's the only time.
0: That's what i most. Are those emoji movie cups? Yes, my oh, bodyguard that's... bought them for me. Freight. Explain that. Let's try and explain that. Well,
2: you know what it sounds like. It sounds like you have the most caring and sensitive bodyguard in the entire business. He is. Do you know that he... more so than Kevin Costner in the Bodyguard? Do
0: you know that he cried when he dropped his daughter off at the airport? I mean, how tender is that? Um, Because he was working with us in New Orleans And he also is afraid to fly And could only fly with Megan O, my best friend Mm -hmm. Because she gives him Xanax and will hold his hand That's really sweet So
2: I guess what we got from that is that You've made him not hang out with his daughter To drag him all over the place
0: Absolutely And he's the first to say, you know
2: Now how many people really come at TJ like Oh, I need to square off with this guy Oh, wait, he has a bodyguard how, how, how necessary, like how
0: He's not supposed to answer this because of an NDA, but you can tell him, tell him, tell him in New Orleans. In New Orleans, we had a, quite a few problems. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> who is it? Is it, uh, is it, uh, is it mad? Uh, it's, it's,
0: the it's people that Mucinex didn't God. work <laughs> for. Yeah. What's going on? Sure.
2: Like by name, they're like, Hey, you're that guy from that. And then he'll be like, yeah, I'm that
0: guy. Thanks. And then they'll get kind of heated that he didn't really recognize them as a fan. Sure. More like get the heck away from me kind of. <laughs> Sure. He, and then they get even more pissed, and then I'm kind of like that. And like, yeah. He also, he's, he's a very good liaison to get us in and out of places. But sometimes he's actually protecting other people from us. Gotcha. Because Kate... When she goes for it, she really goes for it, and it it can be dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So she yo- gets you the mean red basket, bitch, yeah. motherfucker. It's a picnic basket. Picnic basket. Uh, how you been? Great, man. I I was excited to come on, just even to ask you, like, what is your life like right now?
2: Well, I mean, it's. I would imagine it's similar to yours, and just that it's it's a flurry of a lot of different things at once.
0: Flurry is an understatement. I mean, you are talking dead. You're talking <laughs> I, I am. walls. You're, talk, talking, you're talking You're talking walls. about talking about I mean, Preacher. I, like I so mean, meta. But, in, but in such a great way. Like you oh, just, thanks. you found a way to comment on everything, to be able to continue to interview people, to have this show that is so funny. Oh, I mean, thanks, man. And like fun like that. You're one of the few shows on the air that is just, Fun. It's just about fun. I mean, it's funny how long I've known you, and you were like yeah. in the first year of the podcast, yeah. I think.
2: Maybe the first yeah. or second year of the podcast. And uh, just to see everything that you've done, too. And and like, you know, I don't know. It's it's always fun to me to, when you watch, you know, like when you sort of start out with people, and then you kind of watch, go, oh, they're doing that. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. They found that path. Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: it's, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's really great. Do you, have you sort of... Is it strange to have done certain things that people kind of not have been derivative of, but have like looked to you, and then in the wake of your success, have tried to have their version of it? Oh, like but other then, talking shows, yeah, or like, or, or or just the way that you've, and then suddenly to have departed, and now when I look at you, there's just no one else that can keep up with the amount no. of work that you're doing. I mean, and I also I look, you know, I look at Aziz and I look at. Amy, and I really look at you and I look at those people and say, well, how are they handling? Also, Chelsea Handler, I think, is a person that I'm always fascinated by. How do they handle so much? You're creating so much stuff. You're making so much and responding to fans and being present. I think a lot of it has
2: to do – well, first of all, I have a really nice it, – it, there really is an economy of energy mm-hmm. that, a, that every person has. And you sort of have to figure out – What that is, and it probably lies somewhere in between. It's a little, it's it's a little bit more than you think it is, yeah. And it's probably you know a little bit less than what your idealized version of it would be, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. So it's really just finding ways to economize that energy. So like, I have an amazing wife and a very stable relationship, so that takes a lot of energy off the plate because I'm not managing a. A, 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 either no relationship or a bad yeah, relationship. Yeah, and,
0: and me too. I mean, you know, and that is something. If anybody wants to, there's a reason to be in a healthy, functioning relationship. It is in part because that's the only way that you can do everything that you are I, capable. Absolutely, of doing. Right. and I like. I don't think and Lydia and I haven't spent much time with you guys, but I'm really good friends with Will, her cousin, uh-huh. and. I just you know there's such a kindness.
2: Yeah, there's she's she's great, and 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 I think it's also like if I were smart, if I were Tindering, if I if I were single and Tindering, I don't think my life would be the same because I think it would just be so chaotic and and not have any foundation, and it'd be it just wouldn't it wouldn't be good. So there's that, and then honestly you know the big i think the biggest thing for me that allows me to do everything is really just sobriety like not doing anything because it, so much- <laughs> <laughs> it just takes so much I'm quite the opposite it
0: takes so much energy
2: to from it would for me it takes a lot of energy it would have taken a lot of energy to maintain that
0: do you have and an addictive thing- personality that went from you know, non sobriety to work. Sure, I mean, because I think a lot think, of people do that with working out. They suddenly they get sober and they're huge. Well, they that's just the thing is that can't I, stop doing this one thing that is going to make them makes the dopamine activate, etc. Yeah, because I, I and it took me probably,
2: you know, now I'm what year is it? Twenty seventeen, two or three. <laughs> so four. It is
0: the Armageddon. It is the Armageddon. It is The absolute. Burning of the American <laughs> Empire. So, yeah, it's 2017. 2017. Buddy. So, uh, go down in the books. I'm 14 years
2: in from quitting and drinking, and, and it took me probably 12 years to figure out that the term alcoholism like, the thing about alcoholism is that it's I, I don't even like the word because it's not about alcohol, it's about the fact that I have an obsessive personality type, mm-hmm. and alcohol was a manifestation of that. And I definitely see that. And I, but I knew at the time when I quit drinking, I said, "I know I have an. I I know I have this unnatural ability to focus on things for a while. It's been drinking and being in my own head. Yeah. So I'm going to try to focus on work as I try to f- understand why I'm this way. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew that I was moving the obsession from one thing to another. But my my feeling was at least this is more constructive as I try to understand how to have a healthy relationship with everything and then just, you know, and and that's a never-ending process. No, but
0: to be sure, and, you know, comedy itself, I've always thought it's a bit of an opiate and it's such a healthy way of sort of being happy, being excited, being distracted, sure. all that sort of stuff. But I grew up in a household that was both atheist and believed strongly in medication, mm-hmm. right? And so the aid of, right now I take Keppra, which kind of, Keeps me alive, and also Lamictal, which helps sort of curb the mania that I'm prone to. But also my mother, just and my father. So we see alcohol, marijuana, all of that as kind of a medication. And you know, you pursue moderation, and it's not always easy. But it was a thing where all of my friends, my great uncle. There, there's a difference between once you drink, that activates this need to keep drinking. Sure, just drink more, drink more, drink more. And what Kate and I do, which is kind of like let that be the way that we temper this extreme anxiety and focus and period of sobriety. That's that's kind of our moderation. Are you that, worried about mixing alcohol with the with the 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 pills that you have to take to stay? It's it's always in moderation. I mean, Kepra specifically. You know, the big danger is uh, just it's hard on your liver. Just like it, people that just take Advil, they just pop. Oh, yeah. Advil, it's so bad for your liver. So I take a lot of supplements to kind of, but it's, you know, I remember my neurologist said, uh, and so what you're going to want to do is you can't drink until you black out. And I was like, <laughs> that's no one's aim at right. all. No one is like starts out the night and is like, can't wait till I'm face down <laughs> in a bowl of Cheerios at 7 p.m. I still but see lights. That I threw. Right, exactly. Um, But, you know, what was interesting was to see him go from, well, marijuana doesn't really help, but, you know, it's certainly not going to hurt to in the last few years saying it is it does have anti-seizure properties and actually can be quite good for anxiety and for slowing the brain down. That's been an interesting transition.
2: What's your anxiety about? Is it is it is it just sort of physiological or is it emotional in nature? Have you figured that out?
0: Wow, he has the hard-hitting questions. That, and then we can talk that's about... That's
2: why they call him Hardwick. Then we can
0: talk about balls and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> poops and stuff. Boba Fett. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> balls and Boba Fett, the Chris Hardwick story. The unauthorized autobiography. <laughs> I would totally authorize that. What are you yeah, talking about?
2: It's the best title in the world.
0: I would authorize all three of those things. <laughs> balls and Boba Fett. Uh, you know, I think... yeah, I get anxious that I'm not doing... Uh, the best job that I can do because it 's so important to me to do comedy that people are like, Wow, yeah, that really i 'm reminded of that two weeks later, and it makes me laugh. You know you have yeah. to do a certain caliber, of, so it 's that and then it 's also you know, I want to make sure that Kate's life is full of opportunity and ease and all those things. I want to be a good son and cousin and nephew and all those sorts of things. It's a lot to take on, but I I really do uh I do love it, you know. Even in the wake of like decisions like leaving Silicon Valley, I just I love those things and I love the possibility of doing more stuff. Probably like I mean, you know, I've always wanted to ask you this why do you keep doing more? Um, it's just—I think it's just like,
2: like exercising, you know,
0: yeah. where you get to Which a certain point. You look point. good. You look healthy. Oh, so. thanks, thanks. You get to a That's certain. That's something that Los Angeles guys can say to each other. Looking you good, look man. you lost weight. Hey. Yeah, hey, I'm nice so chest. Nice yeah, nice uh, chest. <laughs> great shoes. Balls like, and buffet. I
2: feel like um, you know it, you you. Things are either in a state of growth or in they're in a state of decay, and so I feel like it's only natural or for me, it feels natural that when you kind of get to a certain point with something where you kind of okay, I got this I understand how to do this. How do I evolve it? How do I grow it? how do i you know can i can I make it sprout in a different direction? Can I try yeah. something new and I think that's just to constantly stay stimulated and and then also there's part of it that's you know like. I like video games. There's part of it that's like a video game. Like you, you know, you know, if you're really immersed in a like game, beating
0: each level, you sure. just
2: kind of, you know, you jump the levels. But hopefully, in life, there's, you know, there's never a final boss. Like it's just always a series of boss levels that you have to get to. And so I think some of it's that for me is like, okay, I know how to do this now. What if I were to, you know, if everything I'm doing is there a way that they all connect, or how can I make them grow, or can I try this new thing, or can I? You know, like you know, now I'm I'm developing a science show for NBC because I yeah. love science. It's just like why not? Why not try that? If it I doesn't like work idea. fine, if it
0: works great. Morgan Spurlock came to me and was like, "Can we do a series about the brain?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" Just like emoji, the Emoji Movie. I'm in a film. I don't know if all the listeners know. I'm in a film called The Emoji Movie. Right. And they said, "Will you parasail into gun film festival in a yellow tuxedo?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." Because <laughs> life is a game, but not one that you're trying to win something else that i said on your program last time i was on was uh it's better to be polarizing than neutralizing yes and you know now i feel i feel similarly that like it is this game with no final boss you are and the reason i like the idea of it all being a game is because it's fun games are for fun and so that's kind of what life is, and I don't like video games. I think they're a waste of time, and you should learn a <laughs> different language to maybe sort of understand the human condition from a different perspective, but that's fine. You like Gears <laughs> of War 11. Listen, I don't... Yeah. And by the way, I don't entirely disagree, because I just spent I, just, I
2: just spent literally 200 hours yes, playing Zelda. it's an
0: addiction! Thomas Middleditch!
2: But I also know what? that when I come home at night, it does help my brain unwind a little bit, mm-hmm. but I also think... God, what if I had been writing jokes for two hundred hours? Like, what would those jokes, you well, know? Now here's here's
0: another question that you I can't for work you. all the time, and we don't have to talk about it. But um, you and I had a great conversation uh, on the telephone, which is an antiquated sort of technology. The idea of speaking to one another, somewhat familiar and, with it. And so uh, you said to me, I said, "Well, do you want to do more stand-up?" And you said, you know, I think that there are so many things that pull my attention, so many things that I can do. You said that, let's be honest, I mean, guys like you and me don't necessarily – being a great, great, great iconic standup isn't maybe – it just seemed like it wasn't necessarily your priority. But also that you sort of said, look at how much stuff I'm doing. I mean how can I possibly devote the Hannibal Burris amount of time to stand-up to become, you know, that – Stand up. And I wanted to ask you about that. Sure. Do you still feel similarly? You yeah. have more things in production now than ever. I mean, that's the thing. You're, is it- every plat- You're the only other guy that's in every But plat- <laughs> We are the two most irritating people in the United <laughs> States of America because we are on every fucking platform. Yes. It's a disaster. Yes. They can't turn try it off. to get away from us. <laughs> Fuck you. Oversaturation is our modus yeah, operandi. We're dying. basically,
2: I'm surprised, at a certain point, America's going to take out a restraining order on us. I hope so. Please uh, <laughs> tell us to so stop. You cannot for a come within 500 Exactly. of any program.
0: Any and, and, and you see a camera,
2: right. you're not allowed to. Yeah, right, exactly. But, uh, you know, I in, <laughs> my heart is always, uh, if if you if someone asked me what I would do, I would say I'm a stand-up. That's where my heart always is. That's what I always wanted you to always, be. I've
0: always known you as a comedian.
2: Yes. And so there are times when my career has pulled me, you know, I started doing a lot of stuff so that... I could get more known so that people would come to my shows. It was all of it was right. created. That's something that Brad Nerdist, All of it was so yeah. that people would understand, so that they would come to shows. And uh but then I got to a point where, like, you I took ha- over Hollywood, and then <laughs> no, you're like, you know what? No. I don't need to stay in a Holiday Inn no. every weekend. <laughs> I don't need. It. I mean, although a Hampton Inn is great in a pinch, <laughs> a Hampton Inn's great in a pinch. Good bed pillows. It's not
0: a Red Roof Inn, but I it's mean, some sort of inn.
2: But uh but I also. Um I, I I do feel bad sometimes because you know every week I'll get the emails from the comedy store, "Hey, do you want to come in this week? We have shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday." And I go, "Fuck, I really want to, but I'm working this day and this day, and then when I get off, I'm going to be exhausted." Or you, you want
0: to spend time with Lydia. I want to spend time right. with my
2: wife. And and so I feel bad inside like I'm not I'm not pursuing stand up the way I should. It's like and, not calling your mother. And and then I have to remember that Abe oh, knows <laughs> <laughs> he had a close relationship with his mother Well, it's a good thing to have yeah. But you, but I also know that um, Yes, I could quit everything I'm doing And just focus on stand-up And try to be a great, great stand-up Or, you know, I could have this nice, diverse Portfolio of things that I'm doing That all satisfy me in different ways Do stand-up when I can do stand-up And still enjoy the process Like, I don't feel like I never thought, like, I need to be the greatest. I need to be Louis. Like, I don't need to well, be about that. a
0: year portfolio as a fucking encyclopedia?
2: I want to be a good comic, but I don't feel like if I die without having been considered, like, a super comic, I'm okay with that. Because I know what I would have to do in my life and what I would have to give up in order to achieve that. And I, and I don't think – it's sort of like, um, you know – if you if you go yeah i want to be like, i was talking with my trainer about the strongman competitions
0: and it like says the, a trainer i have an ironic bodyguard <laughs> <laughs> i've
2: had the same guy for 13 years 12 yeah. years and we were How talking about this. we know each other It'll be 10 years
0: 10 year. Year. Oh, yeah sure damn. same deal dude same same deal, same deal. different reality
2: but it, you know it's like the guys who do the bodybuilding and stuff like hey you can do that, but what you would have to give up in order to achieve that level, do you want to give do you is that do you want to sacrifice all that to become that?
0: And that's why I quit Silicon Valley. <laughs> and that's why. Yeah. Cause you I just mean,
2: it was just too much.
0: I think that this you know, I am consistently surprised by your ability to not only do more work, but the work that you do is different or instead of being derivative of stuff you've done before, is a different version of it, another, a newer perspective, right? and not like class you know you you are a nerd but at the forefront of all of the newest nerdiest stuff while still paying homage i mean we're in a room with boba fett and fucking darth vader i mean the wallpaper is star wars the classic classic thing that created fanboys i'm consistently impressed by that i was getting to a point where um I just – I was working so much and when I wasn't working, I was explaining to Kate how I was – I'm going to work less, right? <laughs> right. But, and but there will be a it. point where I – and so finally this was that ultimate gesture which is like I'll, I'll, I will remove the most stable, the most safe, the thing that I could easily phone in. I'm going to remove those four months completely. From our life, and I'm going to be a stand up comic in New York City supporting you and helping build an art career that is already burgeoning, that is already kind of coming to prominence. But instead of saying, Hey, I'll be in Los Angeles, you can either come here and feel trapped in the strip mall of a city for four months, or I can show you truly that I want to support what you're doing and also like pay attention. To stand up, stop kind of being a comic that would put out a special every five years or something and be the comic that is turning over that material and getting it done and going to Omaha and having people be like, that's strange, but I love it. And knowing that, okay, this is I'm connecting with this section of America and this section. And that's also the most that I can do pitching in. With the current state of affairs. I mean we're in a serious fucking problematic situation. (laughs) And the only way that I can talk about it is directly through – it's great to be a part of a satirical show where my character is well-liked. But if I want to speak directly to the American public, the only way to do that is stand-up. And I just did not have the time to do that and to live a life that would inform the comedy that I'm doing was – it was – Talk about burning the candle at both sure. ends. I was burning it in the middle of it as well. <laughs> well, and ultimately – With Slim Jim, Greg the Mediocre Genie. Check when... it
2: out. It's on funny or die. <laughs> <laughs> when you're young, I think you always go, more, 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 more. I have to have more of this, more of that, money. Right. I got to this. And then at a certain point you go, I think I just need to be happy. And so if that means leaving something, whatever it is, that someone will go, well, how could you do that? Well, because I just need to pursue something else to just feel happy and fulfilled. That's the best thing you can do in life. And I know there will be a point where, you know, after I shot my first special. I, I had a, a year of lightly doing stand up and then I got back in full. And I've had a year from my special of lightly doing stand up. But at a certain point, I will start cutting stuff out so I can focus on that again because I always go back to I it. I think
0: so. And I think, you know, Ellen, strangely, Ellen and I had this conversation where she was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and do stand up and it's scary and it's crazy. I had and the I same conversation forever. with her. And there it was you funny go. to hear her say that. Like, you're an amazing yeah. comic. What are
2: you in talking your mind, about?
0: you're like, well, wait a second. You're one of the all time. But she did the same thing. She found that this daytime talk show, if she really threw herself into it and made it great, then it could be something, I mean, where she signs off saying, be kind to one another. I mean, she's one of the deepest, best, smartest comedic minds working today. And she, I think, is doing what you and I are talking about. This is what happens once you've diversified yourself to this point. You're also going to slowly cut things out and make it more about yourself. And the most yourself you are is when you're a stand-up comedian. Not that you don't – I mean At Midnight is a perfect example of you just like – being so ridiculous looking directly into the camera being like are you kidding me here but also like marveling and laughing along with Steve Ag, saying the most funny <laughs> funny thing I love that AG. a person could say in that moment thanks Chris yeah yeah exactly and but you're also choosing and picking new talent that you're like I'd like to give you people should know this person more you've always been about that too which is something that I'm about my sketch group heavyweight are they, those are the guys that write and Mr. Davis Those are the guys that write uh, the Critics' Choice Awards. And you've always been about kind of helping prop other people I love comedy. I love funny What's the impetus behind that? Because sometimes you'll kind of focus more on – giving prominence or the spotlight to somebody else rather than yourself. You're a host of a game show rather than doing your Pete Holmes crashing. And this was the, you know, the difficult part of my life and it's all autobiographical.
2: I don't know. Cause I, I just, I love comedy. So I, for me to be on a show, like I legitimately don't care where the best joke comes from, whether yeah. it's from me or anyone else on the show. Okay. I just want the best joke to yeah. be out there in the world because I love comedy. So I don't, I don't care about that. I, you know, like when, I remember, like, doing when I was doing open mics, new people would come in, and some. You know, I remember some of the other comments would be like, "Fuck this, this guy!" You know, it's like an actor from a show is trying to stand up. Now I go, "Let him. Who cares? There's more comedy in the world, and and you know, if they don't love it, they're not going to keep doing it. Like, right. just let them. And if people don't like it, then they won't keep doing it. And, I agree. And then also, I feel like the more, I think there's a healthy form of competition in the sense that. You know, the more out there there is, the more it forces you to go, okay, well, how do I find what I do, what's specific to me? It just forces you, it should force you to understand who you are more as a performer so that you can stand out, you know, yeah. so that you
0: can create well, original it, stuff. It helps elevate other people. Kate always says this. You like the competition and you don't care who wins. Well, yeah, there's it's like for me, it's it's that's why I like film, because I can go in and when a, when there's a really great film yep. happening, it is everybody. Steven Spielberg doesn't care if his ideas in the movie. He just wants the best idea, the best moment. It's exactly what you're saying. You're like everyone is working together. To find the best piece of comedy, and that should be there's no egos, there's nobody, it doesn't, nobody gets credit. It's like you know, everybody dies. You don't. There's no legacy. There's no. It's just trying to do the best thing you can. Well, yeah, and I like. Together. And I like. I like seeing people succeed.
2: I like you know. I used to hear stories about mm-hmm, Jack too. Benny. Just love it. He didn't care who had the best joke on his show, and I always that always resonated with me. And then Harold Ramis said something in an interview once years ago about being com- be- being unhealthily competitive and he just said, "You know, there's room for everyone to succeed, and especially now there is because God, there yeah. are so many outlets." So,
0: I just Talk about a fractured zeitgeist. I mean, is it- <laughs> 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 That's my impression of Johnny Carson talking I about the fractured media I love that, guys. landscape.
2: it's sort of like the, sort of like the sarcastic <laughs> yeah. social philosopher. Talk about a fractured psyche. Yeah, it's yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh,
0: splintered consciousness culturally. id much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that's the other thing is that I've I've had a lot of conversations about is there such a thing as oversaturation? You and I are pursuing the answer to that. But you know, it is. There are so many platforms, so many different. So people will say on the internet, they'll go, "Why are you in the Emoji Movie? Why? What? What the fuck are you doing in a movie called the Emoji <laughs> Movie?" And to those people, I always say, like, it's not for you, right? I mean, Sony Animation would be absolutely furious that I am even considering the idea that this movie is not perfect for every. Single person in the world, but we hipster gentleman who from your work is, you know, tweeting and about how ridiculous it is that we don't go see the movie. It's not for you. You don't have to see it. I'm trying. I'm making movies for nine year olds as well as my aunt and uncle in Kansas who won't see anything that I do unless it's G rated I'm doing that and if in the meantime go see Deadpool 2 like right. go go and bitch about how that wasn't as good as the first one <laughs> even though like there's plenty of shit that I'm doing that you can talk shit on that makes sense for you and your demographic but you know we are so there are so many places to ingest content even in the advertising space I'm like You know what? I will absolutely collaborate with Mucinex and Slim Jim and anybody because in a capitalistic society, you're seeing those advertisements either way. So why not make them funny? Just like an insurance, a great insurance commercial should make you cry a little bit. (laughs) Life is so sad that when Allstate does it right, you should tear up a little bit. You fucking should. Jesus, it's a tiny movie about how sad and hard life is. For Christ's sake, it's a 30-second expose on how we are going to die and we should leave the most that we can to those that survive on. Can I also, just branching off of that, tell you that in...
2: The Mucinec commercials. I I root for the mucus.
0: Yes, me too. Like I always. He's think, ostracized. Why? He is. He's a booger. I identify with
2: you him. more than I do those p- fucking assholes who won't take him to work. Take him to the
0: ballpark okay with having sickness for a little while. You know, it's the sickness. Life has mucus on it. Exactly. God damn it. And they I, say he's not a celebrity. I
2: am. They I make am you ride a celebrity. in the. You try to fit in the overhead bin. Yeah, come on. You know what is. This? What is this United?
0: Yeah. Oh God, and that. <laughs> no, but that you know that that commercial was a lot about that situation. <laughs> we were prescient. We knew that that was coming from some airline, and we just wanted to. M- so you know, next for social change, social satire through uh, expectorant <laughs> liquids. What do we always say? What do they? Oh yeah, they got so mad at me. You know, it's so funny to work with companies like that because they got so mad that I. Um, made some joke on Twitter that uh, NyQuil and DayQuil uh, have cancerous properties; they will give you cancer, and so Mucinex is the only thing that you should be taking. And I mean, Mucinex was like, you not only can you not say that. Why <laughs> did you say that? And I was like, I don't know, man. I thought it'd be funny. I'm just <laughs> yeah. a little glob of mucus that no one understands. Yeah, Jesus, the same. <laughs> Stop ostracizing this poor booger. <laughs> or booger. Free as we free says. the yeah. booger. Yeah, right. Exactly. Free the booger. Exactly. Let him go. But if you you know if you've got the if you've got so many mediums that you can do, I mean you you do the same thing. You podcast? Yeah. And then you produce. You know, you'll the whole gamut. And if people want that content, why not give it to them? And it's it seems simply endless, you know, the amount of that people and I think that's because Here we go. Uh, We live in kind of this post-religious, post-meaning society where Nietzsche did call it from the three-point line, swish, that like art becomes your deity. That's what we turn to for comfort, for the feeling that the human condition is not just wasted and useless and meaningless, but instead you kind of look to other people. And I love that people love – train wreck and uh pete holmes crashing and Louie and master of fun although i'm not you know it, it's those things are people saying like i want to know your life and laugh along with it so that i myself can maybe turn inward and laugh at my own kind sure predicament
2: well it, it is it, you know a yeah predicament opportunity
0: we are definitely in a in a world where um
2: a lot of entertainment has become, like, religion to people. Because especially if things the feel...
0: The thing that you've... Yeah. yeah well, because
2: yeah. when things feel unstable, like, people need things that they can rely on. i want to watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't think, you know, it's... That's escapism. And especially, you know, yeah. fantastical escapism as yeah. well. It's just a, It's just a buffer from reality. But, you know, I think a lot of it is just not wanting to... It's just needing a break from the... I I mean, I've said it a million times and I I completely think that our brains are not evolved to handle the amounts of information that we force into it Ugh, enjoy in today's your burrito, society Mr. Yeah. Hardwick, yes <laughs> what was it what did you say the first thing do it was it uh, dropping truth
0: sauce or uh, yeah, I mean, it? some of the truth sauce yeah Yeah oh something. drink no
2: jo- jo- truth sauce
0: drink it up oh no real juice drink real it up. juice yeah yes, we came Only back to it re- it's true real juice drink it drink up drink it up yeah. yeah enjoy yeah i i think absolutely right you know that is something that um, God, yeah. You're, uh, so I- exactly that, that like technology is moving quicker than we can keep up with it. There's more information that the human brain has to process that we, all of those things have led to an overwhelming anxiety that religion helped quash or quell, um, when it was at the forefront of human belief, because we don't have that. Now that's why it's important immediately to make marijuana legal nationwide, because people need to sort of relax. This anxiety is overwhelming. People are the so we just and we're it's going to take a second, and unfortunately, we have to terraform the singularity is going to be a real. It, but that's like in a digital terraforming, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. And but you know, all this is moving too quickly. So the biggest thing that I tell Kate all the time is we all need to be easy on ourselves. Like we need to be okay with all of this moving quicker than it should be. We need to be okay with people kind of feeling overwhelmed. This, everything needs to be more. Okay. That was Nietzsche's big thing is like, these values are relative. We need to stop pretending like they've come from on high and we need to just be easier with ourselves. And that's, that's why I am, you know, tirelessly in pursuit of saying, Calm down. Laugh about this. This is all very funny. Just relax.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's obviously for someone like myself who,
0: you know. What a gas this conversation has turned into, huh? <laughs> what are you
2: talking about? We just ripped about were, boogers for like five true, minutes. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And I've got a gift for you. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. Uh, so, you know, I, I I honestly think when I think about, you know, because I, I, I'm I'm anxious and I, I, I have anxiety, but I just have to deal with it without you know because with with weed that's how you work out it is well it is why you prepare for the next day but what i worry about with something like weed and i'm not a pot smoker so i don't understand it but i just think i could do that but then that's not real
0: like it's i'm using something to i'm chris hardwick you're surrounded by things that aren't real. I your, would 100% agree with that. Your wallpaper is about fantasy and things that are real. But that, that doesn't real, affect my decision-making process. To, that you devote. Doesn't it? I, no. I feel, like, I feel like every time Chris Hardwick walks out of this room, he's got Star Wars on his brain. And unfortunately, someone has to talk about how Boba Fett. Pen- right, exactly. No, I mean, these are, they're all opiates. And for you to think, I'm trying. Here's what I'll say. Yes. I agree with what you're saying. I think that's a very. That's, but that's just for me. I don't mean it's that a for everyone. a strong perspective. To me, I'm trying with this, and this isn't your gift, but with this, my extended <laughs> play EPCD, a technology this that is, is antiquated and has been, uh, I'm trying to convince people that none of this is real. That it is all fantasy. That there is no reason to believe that any kind of consciousness is my wife is chanting right now with a bunch of Buddhists in fucking Silver Lake. You, Abe knows how much I despise the East Side. I mean <laughs> sickening <laughs> what are you, press, What juice, do you got against hipsters, the East Side disgusting? But the West Side's full of bankers. Oh, no, I don't and- live on the West Side. We live I don't I don't leave Hollywood, man. That's gotcha. why I'm wearing a hat that I bought at a market from a guy that did not understand why I would buy this hat. And I didn't understand why he was selling it. (laughs) None of this, none of it is real, but Kate's altered state of consciousness is, uh, chanting is, uh, poetry is reading poetry almost to the point where I'm asking her, you should probably stop reading right now. Like she has these other states of consciousness. I don't think that any of it is less real than mine. I mean, people don't. A lot of things that I do, people don't understand. They just think that doesn't. That doesn't seem real. But they don't have to. Like you, you just have they to. Know. You just have to do what but you want Even, even do. leaving Silicon Valley, they go, oh, "That doesn't seem real. Why would you? That that seems completely. Why would you make that? And it's like none of this is real. This is all each person's. It's not even a journey. Each person's kind of experiment in reality is as real as anybody else's. And And happiness is as real for someone who is not a billionaire and is not laughing on a private plane. And I I say this from my perspective as it is for a guy that just hit – he's out of work but he just got a bullseye in his dart game and he's so ecstatic – That happiness is exact. That's the utilitarian view of it. The John Stuart Mill, like everybody has an opportunity to be happy in this life and it means the same thing or they have an opportunity to be really, really sad and make other people sad. That's your decision. That's completely up to you you know and do you are you because I know you you're a, we've talked about this before,
2: but I know you're a, a, a Kurzweil guy and the mm-hmm. science show that we're doing is in partnership with Singularity
0: University too wow. and but <laughs> that's great and Chris, that's important
2: Well it is but do you feel like uh, do, do you subscribe because you say oh nothing's real, nothing's real? Do you think the universe is some sort of a simulation? Are you one of the universe's simulation guys? Elon, you
0: maniac. How <laughs> could you possibly popularize this? TJ is uh, – I've never seen him in this mad. Here's, uh, here's my fun one. I think that this life that all of us are living may be actually a dream that one has uh, – you've probably seen Waking Life. But mm-hmm. if you die of natural causes, time, which is relative – slows down, and you may even have this dream that feels like another life. And if it's that real, then if you die again in that, it can be even in a car accident, those final moments, time can slow down to the point where because what, a gnat a lives 36 hours? That's an entire life for them. Who knows what a cat is thinking?
2: So it's like Jesus. going deep in Inception. It's like the yeah, farther down you go. But you
0: know it is. It's, a, it's that idea. And so why not treat this life as simply a dream at the end of a previous life? And why not believe that at the end of this dream, you may have another dream? That is a very modern, medical, ridiculous way of approaching Nietzsche's eternal recurrence. Which was he, he understood that if time was truly indefinite, then everything would repeat itself, right? It simply could not. That's just statistics. So that's the one that I like, and I like telling people that because it seems like a non-spiritual way to kind of be okay with is that a Brennan Stimpy original? Uh yes, Jesus, Christ. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Hardwick in a nerd's heaven. This if you're just girl, joining the
2: podcast, I'm talking to a squirrel.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> whose uh, attention? Uh, so, right, exactly. Yeah. Now, then, then I'd be back talking about nuts, right? Balls and Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, I. Anyway, yeah, the, the ADHD this is, is why I've this been is so the, successful. This is
2: the uh, this is the Ren and Sibi part
0: of the dream. I love it Yeah right And so that dream Well you're a good host. But whose dream is it Whose dream is it it? It's the dream uh, It's each individual's dream But for me it's a dream Where I'm like Yeah but then that means That all this I get to do Gore Burger You know what I mean I, I get to do something That is so surrealist So ridiculous That, of course, that would be the perfect version of this life. And I think there's a lot of people probably listening. They're like, well, my life isn't the perfect version of what I – no. That's capitalism or something else telling you that life should be different than it is and then it would be better. That's insurance companies. You know what I mean? It's – you should just be focused on how this is the perfect iteration of – your life. But wait, so it, so let's just take this for a second and, and, and dissect this a little bit. Let's take this for a second and really bore people. Continue. <laughs> TJ, so- please keep talking. <laughs> You're listening to The Boar Burger Show? Ah! <laughs> the Boar Burger Show is one of our favorite things. The Boar Burger was keep a going. blast. So I, I, man, I had so much weird. fun doing the your best, show. I had best. so much fun.
2: So if. Uh, if I am if I am in the dream – if I am in a dream in the death throes of another life and you are in the dream of the death throes of your other life, whose dream are we in right now? Are we, are you a part of my dream? It doesn't
0: matter. Well, but, but I feel like it does. Why? Why? Well, I don't know. That's it's- like believing that truth is more important than myth, which Donald Trump just knocked that fucking argument into the ground. That's – Nietzsche also thought that. He was like – Dude, why don't you get married? You love this Nietzsche person. God, you guys, why don't you get married? Yeah, I know, right. Well, I'll tell you what. I do, if I like him so much, why don't I marry him? It's because he went insane in the last years of his life and was playing the piano with his elbows. I, I, you know, this guy, this guy was so fucking prescient that he's, he called it. From the three-point line, Swish, he really was like, it'll take you guys two to three hundred years to understand what the fuck I'm talking about. And he was right. He really, really was. The eternal recurrence, the, this idea that humans want myth more than truth. Where has truth brought us to? It's just through science we now have created stuff that is destroying our own planet. I don't... Myth for thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, believing that the sun comes up if we do this thing and if we dance, there will be rain. that he... That's OCD. Well, yeah, right, exactly. It is. No, but he thought... I think that you know he thought that maybe myth would end up conquering truth and science, and he's right. We have a president right now that you can put two videos up of him absolutely not telling the truth. People don't care. They love the myth that the jobs will come back, that life could be – that, again, is the most important part of the sentence, make America great. I I don't think it's that people prefer truth over myth or myth over truth. I think people just –
2: create stories that they need to believe about anything that maybe has some bits of truth and some bits of of myth. And that's just how we try to understand a world. And so – and once people do that, once people do that um, and it's in a part of their core belief system – they will create any amount of armor to protect themselves from any new information that challenges that idea. <laughs> and who would blame and so, them? And so, I don't know if that's so. That's why I don't think it's necessarily truth or myth. I just think it's people create stories that have a mixture of both. And you know, a lot of it is the you know I I, I mention it <clears throat> often on the podcast, but the Dunning Kruger studies, which ultimately suggests that people with less information will always claim to know more at through some sort of psychological mechanism whether well, to protect why themselves. wouldn't
0: they i mean that's the other thing you know I think a lot of people just for a variety of reasons sort of attribute uh, like that i'm some Hollywood liberal or something like that i don't i actually I applaud anybody who will work to believe something that makes them feel safe, makes them feel happy, makes them feel optimistic. I I don't so I I really you know, anybody we're all telling ourselves a story. We're all lying to ourselves about the importance of our life, about the about everything. And that's okay. I, I just I think, you know, from my perspective I would rather everybody have an altruistic teleological direction than – one that is more selfish. Most I'm, people think that they have an altruistic. Yeah, right. I mean, they're saying, "Oh, well, look, I'm doing this for the future." No one children. does things. It's very rare. In very rare
2: cases, I think, where someone's just completely fucked up, does someone do something that they go, "I'm going to be evil today." I think everyone yeah, thinks know, that man, they, the they Koch have a. Brothers might wake up. I think up everyone. With that. <laughs> I think everyone thinks that oh, they a have a sense of altruism. Scientologists.
0: Everyone everyone feels like they're doing something for that, for for good. I know. I yes, but also yes, but also um you know, I think people for the most part should sort of deep down know that like a teacher or a social worker or a junior high basketball coach is doing something that's more about other people than themselves. Right. And so, you know, I think not only should everybody kind of respect that, but also like figure out what part of their mission statement is to help other people and do something that's for the greater good. I may be wrong, but I do know that like there is a world, our president is a person that's like, hey, look, you know, you're either well-bred or you're not. And that's the way it is. And, you know, you look out for number one and winning is the only thing that's important. There are losers, Everyone's a loser that he doesn't like, and there are winners, and I'm a winner because I've won this contest. Now, of course, deep down, he's eating candy, watching CNN, being like, nobody really does like me, not even my wife, and it's so (laughs) sad. It's such a sad, sad story. I think you have one of the spinners. Yeah, he has a lot of anxiety. I've never seen one in person. He has a lot of anxiety. And look at what a good host Chris is to kind of be like, this is turning political. Let's ask the bodyguard. No, 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 no. We can keep talking about that. There's no reason to. I think in many ways because the same reason that I want to do more stand-up. We – lots of people are talking about – this stuff I'm trying to with stand up, especially talk about stuff that people aren't talking about, which is let's cut to the chase. It's not about politics. We need to talk about human beings, the human condition and with. what the fuck we're going to do right now, because we have lost religion and soon people are going to realize that we have lost meaning. And so we've got bigger fish to fry. That's why I think all those Silicon Valley guys showed up and sat around Trump and like suffered his absolute buffoonery because elon musk is like guys we have bigger fish to fry okay I know that the American Democratic experiment is not going well right now, but if we don't fucking figure out how to harness the power of the sun, we are fucked. (laughs) And he said in his sort of beautiful accent, (laughs) but it is fucking real. It sounds so comic booky.
2: We need to figure out how to harness the power of the sun, but it's kind of true. It's
0: fucking real. Yeah. I mean, if Stephen Hawking is like, ladies and gentlemen, in the next hundred years, we need to live on Mars or this whole thing is a bye-bye. It was fun, but if that's where we're at, we got to get there quickly. And I also need to talk to human beings and tell them, like, listen, it's okay to die. That's fine. It's okay to let other people make the decision about when to exit because no one was in on the decision about when to enter existence. we got to start talking about that stuff immediately because if Nietzsche was right, he's, there's a lag time on these epiphanies being accepted, you know? Do you I think, think Jesus was pretty – he was pretty on point. It was smart of him to sort of pinpoint <laughs> – no, truly, I mean – That hair was at, on fleek. Look, he, he was on fleek and definitely black. You know, what, what maybe he didn't have blue hair. eyes. Maybe he didn't have blue eyes. Maybe
2: he, could have maybe a, he had hazel eyes, guys. That's, that's all we're saying.
0: Uh, but I think, you know, he – it was – there's a lot of good things that he's drawing from that allow people to sort of – Use it as a crutch, but feel like it's a cross. Sure, right? And Nietzsche just was too pretentious. He was just too deep into this fucking. I need to be considered an intellectual. I do think brother. there is a danger Same with Warhol. He was he was drawn. He his he was pushed so much to be like all these other people should know that I'm a real artist. I'm not a commercial artist. I've, I flipped it I went the other way fuck writing a bunch of books that nobody ever reads fuck trying to like be you know accepted by your surroundings I sold out from the get go I love commercial <laughs> art I was all about Yogi Bear 3D and still feel that was the pinnacle of my career and all of this is a downward slope and I told Steven Spielberg that and I said thank you for having me in your film but it'll never be as good as Yogi Bear 3D and he didn't know what the fuck I was talking about and didn't understand why I brought that up and was wasting his precious time but that is I, I love that i'm sick of people having ideas and not having a platform i mean donald trump doesn't have any ideas but he created the platform to tell everybody nothing by the way
2: can i just say that i hope that late at night now steven spielberg's lying in bed next to kate capshaw and says
0: a great artist by the way kate a great artist and, and friends with my wife kate
2: yeah. and just says uh,
0: god he's right up
2: Never be as good as you.
0: Yeah, I mean he can. Go. I, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I looked into it and and I he, saw was, he was Bear. on point. I think I forget, but I think did we talk about this? I think that I asked him because he's really something. I mean, I had one conversation with him. I was about to smoke weed because all I had for the day was just writing. I was about, And Stephen was like, here, try some heroin. Yeah, right. He's like, um, I have very good black tar <laughs> heroin. You're kind of wasting your own time. Uh, Would you like to
2: tie off with some of the skin from the dinosaurs in yes, Jurassic Park? Please
0: enjoy. <laughs> we invented the technology for it. I, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of uh, – I got this call from an unidentified 310 number and I, for some reason I was like, I'm going to pick this up. I said, we have Steven for you and i said what and steven spielberg this is steven spielberg's office we have steven for- i go oh thank god i didn't smoke weed is this randy Litke? who is this right and the assistant yeah right exactly <laughs> he does a great impression uh but and and i talked to him and i said well look i'm you know i'm doing all these different platforms because i want america to kind of trust me that they can turn to me when they and he goes oh no no i know what you've, i know what you're doing i've been watching all of it and what was, is? Why did he call it you? It was the most ominous, strange. Because we have a movie set up with, with DreamWorks called Ex Criminals that uh, my cousin, Miller Davis, Mr. Davis, is writing with me. And then he had put me in uh, office Christmas party almost as like, can you be at the center of a film? Let's find out. It was almost like a, like a screen test mm-hmm. in a weird way. And then he had brought this movie. And so I think – this is how I like to think about it is that he's this – this king, this strange, you know, president of Hollywood. And I think that he said, you know what? Because I, 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 he saw the dailies of Office Christmas Party. And he said, you know what? I've seen the dailies. We already have a film set up with him. Bring him to me. <laughs> Bring him here. I want to see for myself what this is all about. And so they brought me to England. They really did call and be like, Steven Spielberg would like you to go to England. He's written a part in this movie for you, so you'll go to England and you'll wait. And that's what I did. I went with Kate and we were in this gigantic, strange, you know, English estate that is now a hotel, and we just waited, and then finally he was like, Come, come, bring him to me and then he's the greatest director on the face of the planet. It's like <laughs> working with the child who is so excited and has a great sense of humor. But he and I got to be the uh you know, this is why Silicon Valley, I'm like, I, I'm so grateful that I was on. I learned so much from Mike Judge, so much from those guys. But it it was that moment when working with him where I was like, uh, I think my character kind of wants to be Boba Fett. And in this world of the Oasis is sort of like Boba Fett. And so I kind of want to do the voice as an impression of Boba Fett, like he's trying to be Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg was like, Yeah. That sounds great. Let's try that. That sounds great. Come on. Let's do it. All right, guys. We're making movies. This is what he would yell to the crew. We're reliving our childhood. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. And it was so interesting to then do that and have him continue to be like, you know, you're really funny. That's That sort of was the vibe the whole time. He's like, you're really funny. He would come up to me out for three or four takes or something and he would go, hey, you know, I know we're kind of like focusing on like the hero and the villain right now, but when you keep being like, I have this neck thing, it's so funny. Like we really are laughing. So I just wanted to let you know that. So just keep doing it, and it's so well placed, it's really funny. So it was this cool thing where he was like, You're really you just take all my funny bone, which who the fuck imagine telling twelve-year-old TJ that Steven Spielberg is like, that guy. What about <laughs> it? You know? And and but he was sort of saying over and he said at the end of Ready Player One. He said, which is I want to give you this gift from Ready Player One. But he he said at the end of it, he goes, well, you know, you're really busy. You've got – I mean you've got Silicon Valley. You've got Gore Burger and, and I think he's a fan of Gore Burger. He sort of thinks that that's so silly and weird and nothing like it is on television. He's and, right. There's and, nothing and, like it on but, television. But, but and like you, I love other people. I like interviewing. I like hearing. But he said, he said look, you've got all this stuff going on. And he just said, it was so strange. I said, well, look, I, I got it. I, it took me like weeks to get the courage at the end of it to be like, you know, I would, and I brought my high school English teacher who's, who teaches, uh, Steven Spielberg in his film class. I flew him and his family to England to meet Steven Spielberg and his son, uh, broke a croquet mallet. I mean, that story is just hilarious for a number of reasons. But I had Spielberg sign the mallet to Mr. Madison, my high school film and English teacher. And he now has it in his class. Because he asked Spielberg, he said, I teach this thing called the Spielberg face. It's a short film on how you always move in on people looking at something that's huge. Close encounters, all of it, dress, everything. And he said, have you seen this? And Spielberg goes, oh, yeah, no, no. And Mr. Madison said, well, do you do you like it? Do you think it's good for me to teach that? And Spielberg said, yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's an excellent way of sort of teaching the stuff that I'm doing. So he's able to say, Hey, if you don't like this, Section of my course, fuck you. <laughs> Spielberg <laughs> does. So, but after I all hope he of that, says that, that to the students, and I think I think Spielberg really did. He loved that gesture. He loved that idea because he's big on loyalty. He's big on sort of helping other people like you. He loves sort of talent and film and what.
2: Yeah, Spielberg and I are very
0: similar. Very I mean, similar. it's
2: if you make the spreadsheet of the You're, list, it's like the check boxes
0: wear, are. Wear, it's all check boxes. You, you wear glasses a little bit less, but yeah, he. Uh, you know, I could wear them more. At the end of it, he says – he kind of said, so we'd love to make this movie with you. And, and it was this weird thing. I, I had built up the courage to go, well, do you, you – know, would you like to go to dinner and talk about kind of a partnership in film since we've worked together on a bunch of stuff including She's Out of My League and fucking Carpoolers Back in the Dizzy. I didn't say Back in the Dizzy to Steven Spielberg. I think that would be disrespectful. <laughs> but um, he sort of was saying like when you're ready and I know you're busy – we should make films. I think that that's something that you should be doing. And I don't know that, you know, that gives, that gives a person a lot of confidence, but it's really anxiety inducing. That's why I'm going to smoke weed immediately after finishing this interview is that, that that is somebody saying in a big way, like, buddy, if you want to do it, like, let's go, let's do it. But, you're busy right now, you've got a lot going on right now. You're still on this television show that I love. Spielberg's a huge fan of Silicon Valley, but he also sort of was saying you also you know you're doing this thing called the Gorberger Show. There's not really anything like that, so you don't have a lot of time. so what do you wanna where are we diving up our attention what's what is where Where are you working? Where's the work headed? What do you wanna do and uh between that and my father saying. Geez, you know, actually, the last couple of episodes, I was like, "This early character is wearing a little thin." Perfect, perfect father-son relationship. He yeah, I wonder why you smoke weed, Southeast Kansas. Right, exactly. I wonder why the. i in Los Angeles, the- being like, "Dad, did- please, I did good." Right. Did you see Goreburger? I don't get it. Ah. You know what? Actually, though, he likes Gorberger. My mother likes Goreburger, and they both are like, because instead of always like fucking people over or looking out for number one or. I can do that character. I'll do it in Deadpool. I'll be I'll be in Deadpool Five. Everybody coming to theaters. 20, 30 million. Singularity's already happened. You're watching it in your eyes. <laughs> you've already seen it, right? You've already seen it when it was announced. Yeah, the so. Gorburger is optimistic and excited and loves human beings and wants to know about them and doesn't understand and wants to ask questions that have never been asked of these particular guests. And it's Japanese and it's a throwback to the 90s. It's different and it's positivistic. Whereas Silicon Valley is satire and great, but I really thought the best contribution I could make to the show. They said, well, how do you want to be involved? Because HBO is amazing. They released the Gorburger pilot. I love, love HBO. They sort of said, well, how would you want to be involved? You know, how could we make Ehrlich Bachman continue to be a part of the show? And I really did think the best contribution I can make is to not be involved. The show has to change, right? If, if Ehrlich's not on it, then it's more room for other characters. It's more of a, it's just a different dynamic. And the worst thing that happens with shows is when they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um,. So well, I just – The yeah. important thing is you have to do what makes you
2: happy and it doesn't matter if anyone understands that because ultimately you have to be happy and you have to pursue what makes you happy and you have yeah. to – if that means limiting stuff for a while or trying new things or spending time with Kate or yeah. or doing whatever it is ultimately your happiness is the goal like you don't have to be everything to everybody it doesn't really matter and you, this
0: isn't like a big like fuck you to the fans like oh you know I've got other stuff going on or something like that it's not as if I'm leaving this to then go like live in Turks and Caicos like, do or something. a movie with Spielberg or God, something damn it. no but it is I want to leave this to be able to do you know I have podcast fans that are like you know you don't really do the show that often it's kind of a bummer cashing in right cashing in with Cash 11 Right. Cashing it with you, uh, Yeah, and it's on the Nerdist Network. What? Uh, but it it is – I'm going to go and do other things to make people laugh. It isn't like a, Ugh, God, I'm so tired. Like you, when I stop working in one arena, in one medium, in one area, I go and I work in another or I split that energy into several different mediums. Yeah, I'm still I'm still working for you, you know, America. Just not on TJ. HBO in that capacity, I'll be on crashing again. Though I keep bothering Pete Holmes. He hasn't really been returning texts, but I think that's because he changed his number. Go ahead. Game change. <laughs>
2: uh, you know, TJ, when God closes the door, he uh, probably just takes a nap and says, leave me alone. Yeah, right, I don't want yeah, you right, coming right. into my house. Why are you here? Yeah, what exactly, are you doing? Exactly. Also, you created me. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, well, I just want to make sure that you feel... What is this?
0: You this got this gift. I know. I don't mean it. to divert the attention, yes. but... So I do a... Um, every time I do a film, because I'm not a very good actor, I'll buy things that I think the character would buy. And I also buy... A talisman, which mm-hmm. is like a good luck object, because I don't believe in really luck or any of that stuff. So I think it's funny. T- so for Underwater, this uh, underwater thriller with Kristen Stewart and Vincent Cassel, the coolest. Oh, yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah, because oh, yes, our stage manager, John, is Kristen's dad. And I and had the like, greatest time ever. Abe was there. John for- fucking Stewart. He's, he's the best. He's the greatest. He's yeah. the greatest. Love him. And Kristen is the greatest. And Vincent Cassell is the coolest man in all of France. And he's always in a rope, smoky spliffs in between. You know, the text talking about, oh, have you seen Bubba? Do you know Booba, the French rapper? Oh, come on. You come in here. We'll smoke and you'll see Booba videos. That whole experience, uh, my ability to do well on that rested on I bought an antique blowtorch because the character is a welder and that was my talisman, right? That was my good luck thing that I kept with me Mm -hmm. Um, for Ready Player One. I bought one or two Boba Fett related things. And that's what this is. And that, so that it's a is a good Boba Fett. That is a talisman it's a good fit. from Ready Player One that I would sort of carry and sometimes keep on me in the motion capture suit. Um, which I don't know if that makes it better because that means it's not in a pocket, but it's directly against my skin. I apologize. Oh, nice. Uh But I would sort of keep that with me as kind oh, of like a good luck that's why charm. it tastes like both mm-hmm. Delicious. Salty. Salty Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett and balls. Salty balls. What? So, yeah. Oh. You know, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, but that, that was – and I – like you, I think, you know, I wanted to be this funny Boba Fett because Boba Fett is this character, this fantastical bounty hunter that I just like – has had so much meaning throughout my life. When I first watched that series, I was like, that's the coolest guy ever. <laughs> and damn you, George Lucas, for trying to expand on it. You know, because I mimic his voice. He only says five or six things in the entire trilogy. And, you know, it's, he's no good to me, dead. Yeah, what about me? You know, so I. Yeah, that was that was a talisman from that I thought I, I told kid I said should I give Chris this is this like a weird present and she goes Jesus TJ that is the perfect present. She, she's absolutely and right I walk into wallpaper that's both yeah. all
2: over it. <laughs> so that it says d- it d- good, d- it does kind of work where is he oh there he is there he is yeah it
0: fits, it's perfect
2: I mean it's perfect I appreciate I, appreciate I appreciate you can the, throw it
0: away the minute that I'm, I'm not gonna leave, throw bye. it away I'm what gonna can? I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna play you know what I feel like I should let you place it on the shelf in a place that you feel
0: best uh, like I the, just put it in front of uh, one day I Maybe there'll be a ready player. You know what? Right next to just a little bit behind, but right next to Job of the Hutt. Right next to right next to Job of the Hutt and in, in front of a
2: chess. Art yeah. piece of Stranger Things. Someone gave me a VHS
0: tape. I have the cassette. only VHS cassette I own is Space Jam with Michael Jordan, and uh, we well, didn't and have Bruce to Bryan. say the cast. Everyone yeah, right. knows Everybody what Space knows. Jam is. Space Jam
2: with uh, Bugs Bunny, I but, believe. That was, and, that was uh, so
0: Tasmanian <laughs> DeVille. He, Tasmanian DeVille is he's <laughs> known in Europe. That's his I, actor's uh, name. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was so cool in Ready Player One to be able to do that. I mean, that that's a real dream. Is like. Yeah, funny Boba Fett. That's the perfect part for me. And it was so cool cuz Boba Fett really like he has no boss. He, he'll work for anyone. He is a mercenary in the truest sense of the word and that's what I rock is. So it was so cool to kind of cuz Boba Fett's bigger than Jabba Hut and Jabba the Hutt. And also um Darth Vader sort of has to say to him like no disintegrations. Right. And He's like as you wish, you know. So it it was really really cool to do That film, that's like the thing that I'm most excited about. And it it will look like a video game for most of the film. So they're inventing technology. It's going to be different. No one will ever have seen anything like it. It's exciting. What an incredible experience. What an incredible... What a lucky, what a lucky, lucky fellow I I ended up being. I mean, I'm so... That's why I give you that talisman is I like, I wish for everybody that... But, you know, Ready Player One, like Deadpool, those... And like Leaving Silicon Valley, those are decisions that I make because they just there was no R-rated superhero comic book movie, right? Right. There hasn't been a movie that is mostly a video game, right? Even if it's based on original property, the Emoji Movie. At least it's you know I'm not running over there to do Hotel Transylvania 2, although I think that Sony should make that because there are so many people that loved Hotel Transylvania One. Mm-hmm. My wife being one of them. There she is. Is one of the many reasons it. we love her. Still watches it. But the Emoji. Movie was a new property. It was a different idea. It was something that's different. And so I'll I'll take that swing rather than sort of wait for the softball that is Mike and David need another wedding movie. Well, you know, right. honestly, the,
2: the people's careers that I always look at and I go, fuck mild it. Grin. Just <laughs> mild grin. <laughs> the people's careers that I look at and I go, yeah, they're doing it right. You know, people like Will Ferrell. He just does whatever he wants. Oh, Whatever's this seems fun. I'll do this. Brian Cranston, the first time he was on the podcast, he goes, you know, I, I like – I don't like each project to be the same as the last one. I like to try something weird and new. So why not? Why not be in a Power Rangers movie? Like, why not try yeah, weird, fun cares? stuff?
0: And then and then he'll go and do kind of like a period piece drama about – and he was – people forget. Fucking Trumbo. Was on, he was on Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. They don't forget. <laughs> he was like the c- classic comedy role. Yeah, he's so funny. And one of the funniest scenes of all time was when she's shaving his back and he's like so dry and funny – But I think that's right. And then the one thing, though, about me is that I will never – Gore Burger is so much more important to me than being considered a real dramatic actor taken seriously. I don't care about that at all. And I'll never do – they almost passed before they told me about Underwater because they're like, it's this underwater thriller and we know you don't do anything but comedy. But then when I read this script, I go, well, now, wait a second. That sounds actually interesting. Why would they want me to be in this? Why would they offer me this role? And then I read it and I was like, oh, perfect. I know exactly how to be the comedy in this film. Mm-hmm. So I'll forever do comedy, but let's fill holes in the landscape rather than add more schlock and more of the same stuff. And And – do things twice when I want to do a big hero seven, let's do a how to train Your dragon three. Just like you're like, if I'm talking dead, then I can also be talking about these other things because not only does that work, but people connect to it. So I'm happy to make more, excuse me. I'm a big, big fan of that. Well, I think you also like to take things and break
2: them in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, great. Do you want some more water? Hey Deb, can you just grab some water out of the fridge in the? Deb was the
0: one who gave a mild grin at one of my comments, just like a very subdued. Look
2: at that! Thank you, thank you, Deb. Um, but uh, I also think uh, it's like I imagine. Let's, let's say, let's say someday you win an Oscar for something. You're a guy that I can see going see, someday I win Powerball and take all of us to Turks hey guys care. look Second I welded nipples on this yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. like it just seems like it just seems like you like to you like to break things
0: for fun yeah, like totally. a child like a child the funniest thing one of the funniest things I've ever seen and I've, I it was one of those things we've talked about this where you see a comedian do a bit and you're like ugh why didn't I think about th-? you're like why didn't I think of that and it was Will Ferrell got the Mark Twain award and he started talking about it, and then he dropped it and broke it <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole rest of the speech is about, like, him kind of feeling like, I, I don't know, should I walk off stage? Is there another one of these? <laughs> All that stuff. And it was, of course, a fake award that right. he had planned that for. But, yeah, I mean, the reason I host the Critics' Choice Awards is because my speech when I won was such, like, a weird – not fuck you to awards because, thank goodness, we have competition within art and not just sports. But it was sort of this like, I, I don't care. It's, this is a moment for me to make all of you in the room laugh and everybody watching laugh. But I don't – this isn't about me or any of that. And they're like, do you want to host the awards? And I said, did you see my speech? Are you sure you – <laughs> and they said, yeah. And then I did it and they let us do whatever. And so then we did a second year and it was even more ridiculous. And now I forever will be the guy that's like, I don't care about winning an Emmy or getting nominated for an Emmy. I'd rather do the work of the comedian, which is to host. Sure. So I would host the Critics' Choice Awards for as long as they'll let me do it. Yeah. I, that is an opportunity to do comedy, whereas giving a speech, you don't have that much time, they play you off, and I'd rather host the Academy Awards than win one. Oh wow! You want to host the Academy Actually the Academy Award For being the best comedian In Hollywood Is hosting the Academy Awards It's such a thankless job though Fuck yeah it is Everyone Most Have you seen any other things I do Most of my jobs are thankless (laughs) There's less thanks Than uh, you're welcome In my career I fucking get painted blue To be a genie For Slim Jim That's a very (laughs) Talk about thankless very yeah, I, I, can, I can handle a three-hour telecast. I've done it before with Critics' Choice. Yeah, but that's a very refreshing point of view because
2: it—it's—it's it's so much. It—it's so honest to just say like, yeah, this is what I want. I don't care about this other thing. This is what I care about. Yeah. You know, I'll, I want to do this commercial because fuck it, I want to do a commercial. Like, I love. That there's no – I love that you never
0: justify anything that you do other than just like, yeah, I fucking wanted to do it. What do you fucking There's fuck no you? fucking justification for it. It's like the Emoji movie. I'm like, I don't have – I got to parasail into Gun Film Festival in a yellow tuxedo. And the when I introduced the trailer for the Emoji movie, the international trailer, the Hollywood reporter was like – and he continually mispronounced Gun Film Festival, apparently saying gun over and over. <laughs> gun Film Festival – like, that's what – that's ridiculous. That's funny. That's what makes Tilda Swinton be like, wait, are they, are they showing the emoji movie here at Gun Film Festival? And I'm like, no. <laughs> are you kidding? And then Kate has to be like, uh, we premiered the international trailer. And they're like, OK, whatever. I mean, he's got weed. So yeah. it's fine. We're happy he's here. But, you know, that, Gorber – yeah, you don't have to – I'm doing it because it's fun and funny to me, but more importantly, it's funny to everybody else. So I'll do whatever. They just, there's uh the next video game in the Hobbit series, they said, well, will you play this kind of internet troll? And I looked at the creative and it was funny and I was like, yeah, of course. Why not? I mean, that's a, people who play video games more than they watch movies, that's my opportunity to make them laugh, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to get that shot. They're not going to go to the emoji movie. So yes, Absolutely. I would love to do that. And so that's it's, so. It's all about just reaching different audiences and fucking around
2: with those structures, and that's what's satisfying. Life to you.
0: is very, very tragic trudge through all of it. And like they, to commend you on your alliteration. First of all. Thank you so much. Uh, always alliteration. Always that's assonance. Uh, that's assonance. <laughs> and uh, and I think you know I want to try and reach as many people as possible. So that's why you do Transformers Four, not because you'd go see it in the theaters, because I wouldn't. <laughs> but because it did huge in China. And so if there's a Chinese so much- guy at a factory who's like, well, they have suicide nets, so we can't kill ourselves. But <laughs> I did. I saw that movie. And that guy with the stupid hair, he just kept screaming. He's like, there's so many scary cars. <laughs> That's great. There, there are a handful of people in the world that can get
2: away with trolling the people they work for. I'm not one of those people. But you. But I remember when oh, – Well, Z-
0: you're too nice. But
1: you
2: know? I remember when Zach Galifianakis was doing True Calling that – Fox show. Yeah, yeah, in the very beginning. And <laughs> they <laughs> he would do it inter- I think they actually had him stop doing interviews because he would do these press chunks and they and they'd go, uh, so um uh what do you like about the show? And he'd go, Nothing. I don't like it, you yeah, know, and just thing. to fuck yeah, with right. them. And, That's pretty good, Zach. Actually. And uh, and they were like, oh, wh-. but he would always get away with it. People go, oh, it's Zach. And I feel like TJ, you can say you can say that stuff.
0: You can say whatever you want. People go, like, oh, it's TJ. Well, it's weird to me that Disney would come to me and be like, would you like to do this movie? After like, you know, I on, on Silicon Valley, I slapped a kid in the face and called him a cunt on television. And they're like, we've got this uh, animated series of How to Train Your Dragon. Would you be interested in being involved? I'm like, have you seen anything that I've (laughs) – like, watch my stand-up. Not only is it offensive, it is somewhat confusing. I like – I I definitely – I'm amazed by that too. But I think in part it's because like I learned so much from Michael Bay, right? I mean I would yell right back at him and he would yell at me and we would be like, fuck off, shut up, all that stuff. But at the end of the day when he said to me, he's like, yeah, you know – you are. You're like a good improviser. So your first take is usually your best and you have trouble kind of replicating that take. So that's that's definitely something you, you could work on. And I, I just, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, great. That is, so he, he is a great director. He will direct you towards what you need. So all these things that I make fun of, actually I more than appreciate, I venerate. I look at Yogi Bear 3D and I really think under the conditions, with the material given, which was very good considering, with the people that I was working with, being in New Zealand, time zone upside down, actually physically going crazy because my brain was bleeding, narrating my own behavior, obsessed with entanglement puzzles, hours that were beyond reasonable 16 hour days, 18 hour days. That is the best thing that I've ever done. I, it truly, and I, every time somebody's like, god damn it thank you for being yogi bear 3d because my kids watch it all the fucking time and so i have to watch all the time and you really do make me laugh i'm like yes because that's the best thing i've ever done in my life everything else including this podcast is a downward spiral to a lonely and careless death that only my wife will truly lament (laughs) you should write a self-help book yeah right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, do no, you
2: no. feel like you fit in?
0: Mm. In general? Yeah. Or do you care? It doesn't seem like you don't care. Well, a nihilist can't really profess to be a nihilist and, like, actually care. I, I, I but you can't out be out of, a nihilist and really I do anything. Out of a, I, yeah, you can. No, you can't. You'd never do anything if you no, were a nihilist. No, no, no. A positive nihilist is if nothing means anything, then anything can mean everything. And for you, fandom and n- nerdistry... And connecting with an audience, you've made that your everything. So when you're a nihilist, you can finally make your own meaning. You become God. You become your own God. So it's a very positive thing. The the nihilists that are portrayed in the Big Lebowski and stuff like that, those are all wannabes. Well, just, I I would just say, you know, my unsolicited
2: advice for you is just, and it seems like you do this, but just, I think it's good to get out of your own head sometimes because I think that's
0: part of the reason why maybe Nietzsche went a little crazy. It's like, if you're constantly. No, I think he definitely went crazy. He thought himself into insanity. But I've already gone crazy once and it isn't particularly interesting. Insanity is sort of this confusing – your day-to-day is confusing and you spend most of your time trying to make nonsense make sense. And I would rather be a sane person who's trying to explain to people that their sense is just nonsense. It's just ridiculous. Just accepting the nonsense. Yeah, is- but I, I. it's very strange. I have gone insane. I know what that is like to have happen. And it's not particularly interesting. It's less challenging because nothing really you, – you're living in a world where – yeah, I mean I was going so crazy that I was like – I know how this conversation is going to end. So I'm going to narrate what that's going to be. And then I'll hit all of those points and then return to it. And that's perfectly normal behavior in conversation. And, you know, people were like, is this guy on meth? Like what the fuck is going on with him? It's just not really that interesting. It just, it isn't, I I guess, you know what, to kick it back to what you're saying is that for some people, if they smoke weed or they drink a lot, that's not real. That sort of, that type of, uh, medication and and feeling less anxious that's not real i think that going insane it just it takes you too far away from all the beautiful things about life which can be sad which can be hard which can be tragic but also can be the height of human emotion and happiness Well, you may not have a lot of
2: control over going insane though right i mean it just i didn't i mean i my
0: brain started bleeding jesus christ why did your brain bleed I mean, if you'd done your research and gone on, this is not happening. I had an arteriovenous malformation that hemorrhaged. And and so I did have more blood and more activity in my right frontal lobe. So I started to physically actually go insane. And that was during Yogi Bear 3D. So when you watch the movie – when you're like, wow, that was pretty funny. Your brain is exactly bleeding. This seems cogent. I am currently going more and more insane as like just droplets of blood enter a part of my brain where they shouldn't be. I mean, they should probably show it in medical schools and be like, this is what happens. This is slowly Amanda. When your brain starts insanity. bleeding, right? Exactly. You do a no, Yogi Bear movie. I I I did what I always do in every project, but especially films. Regardless of the circumstances, whether it be an underwater wearing a 110 pound suit and you sprain your foot and you're underwater and you almost drown all that stuff. You just no matter what the conditions are, you're trying to create an experience for other human beings to be like, wow, that was a ride. Jesus, I'm just, you know, and that can be underwater thriller. It can also be like, well, man, that was. That was really funny. That was actually really funny. And boy, my ugh, my kids can't get enough of it. They just as soon as the movie ends, they want to watch it again. You're you're trying to do that. If you don't achieve that, <coughs> then you might as well not have you know come to play it's just like you do it or you don't well I hope you're I, I do hope you're I hope you're happy
2: and I hope you're not like I hope you're happy but I mean I do hope you're happy <laughs> you <and> ruined <laughs> Silicon Valley I hope you're happy with it no no no, no. I I, and I hope you're happy with you. it. you do you know because I, well, I do uh, I do care about you a lot and yeah. I do and I do feel like you know, our our ships pass every so
0: often. All the I'll time. Like a and I want to say, a text I, exchange and, I, and I hope that your wedding was was everything that you wanted it to be. I didn't even get to ask you about that because you guys were so sweet to invite us. And I just think I don't really know your wife. You know, I, I would like to know her more. But from our sort of friendship within their family, they're all such kind, good people. And that's what I feel like I've married into is this incredibly kind Amazing family from Indiana. My wife grew up on a horse farm and was picking asparagus. But when you have a partner, and this is what it seems like you have, when you have a partner who is there to support you but also is there to receive your support Mm -hmm. and is encouraging and understands you and knows that it's Chris, man. I mean he's going to be – he's going to spend an extra couple hours working on this episode of At Midnight because he needs it to be great. When you have someone who accepts that and supports it but also knows that you're present and trying to support them, that just changes your life. And that's why lately with everybody, if you're, if you're complaining about your relationship more than you're praising it, then you're not in a good position. There is take the plunge to find somebody who does understand, who doesn't make you feel bad, who does want to learn how to better accept you rather than change you. And it seems like you're in that position. I'm so happy for oh, you. Oh yeah. For that. I mean, I'm really really happy. It's
2: unbelievable. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. It's really crazy. And I
2: always say to her like uh you know, you I got the better end of the deal on this yeah, one. Yeah, I would say that. And uh married and, and, up. And, I, and I don't and I don't <laughs> say it to fish for like, no, I didn't. Like I legitimately believe it. And uh, and I don't I I don't yeah it is just one of those crazy things like how do you exist how are how did I find you how am I lucky enough to it's it it did that part's kind of mind bending
0: Kate Kate has a thing where sometimes I'll be like golly we were really lucky and we talk to other couples about this too we go, well, you know we're really lucky and Kate always says well what's so lucky about two people that are kind and altruistic and only care about the the best for other people what What's so lucky about two of those people finding each other, and so that's the other thing that I tell a lot of people is they go, well, you know, talk about hashtag fucking squad goals and relationship goals like we we look to you guys and and I always say like if you are kind, if you live in a way that you're then you're gonna you're you'll attract somebody else like that, and then the two of you together will be able to hopefully raise children that are like that, but more importantly, You'll be able to reap the benefits of how good you've been to other people and how much you care about the rest of the world by meeting someone who feels the same way and will do that for you. Yeah. And then just don't give your kids asshole names. Yeah, just don't call anybody Bryce, certainly not with a lie. <laughs> not an Asher, not a Luna. <laughs> not, not an asher, <laughs> not a Luna, not a Bryce among the bunch. That's <laughs> some poor Bryce is gonna be on the public search. That's what I do. Kassel, you know, he mispronounces Boba Fett as Booba Fett. Yes. Booba Fett. Booba Fett. Con. Gunn Film Festival. Gun Film Festival. Yeah, it was so funny to have that international audience of pretentious filmmakers be like, why the fuck are the two of you here? And as we walked the red carpets, we were serious. Kate brought an arsenal of dresses, shoes. This is a huge deal for her as a fashion icon to be somebody who has that many cameras snapping away. And so they were like, why the fuck is this guy here from the Emoji movie? And also he's taking it. Not seriously, but he's like he cares about it. He's here. He's not being disrespectful, and that's my biggest thing. Is like I'm not. I I am so uh, perplexed as to why I was able to hoodwink Hollywood into letting me have a career that I walk around just on eggshells of gratitude, just being like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me." Just just try
2: to just as we wrap this up to just try to harness. The, like, to squeeze to to, real juice, drink it up. Yes! To harness some TJ juice, like, how how would you describe that juice? If I were to be able, if I could juice you, what
0: would that juice taste like? Katie right now is like, where is this going? You were trying to taste the juice. If Uh. I were... No, I know exactly what you mean. And here's what I'd say, you can drink this up. America. Cuz it's about as real Canada as Canada too gets. and a little bit of England and five people in yeah, Japan. Yeah, there's you know, you've got a healthy base in Australia. Uh I you know, I think um if your mission statement it's it's uh, you know, I'm driven by the philosophy. If the mission statement is ultimately altruistic, you don't need any sort of God, any kind of higher anything, and I think that's really helpful, actually, for the friends that I have that are in the program. You know, they really are open to like a higher being, higher power, whatever it is. Um, I think if your higher power is Marcus Aurelius, was bowed it, bowed it like a motherfucking pimp from history, philosopher king in the motherfucking house. He, you know, just to be driven by philosophy. And to be driven to do better and do for others, that is a really easy way to get a work ethic that can get you a very successful career in Hollywood with just a modicum of talent. <laughs> That's a perfect – Yeah. But That's it's – I mean really let your, work, let your work ethic be driven by your philosophy and the need to be altruistic and you will never tire. It will just be such – a fun ride. You
2: will be the booger where someone says, "You know what? Sit in first class.
0: Sit in first class. You will be come that booger. to the
2: party. I'm gonna take you to work today,
0: Mister Mucus, <laughs> the Mucinex man." <laughs> <laughs> I adore you, TJ. Chris, thank you so much for having me. Thank this you so much. Oh, we and should please, promote your you standup your special. Of Go- yeah, Goreberger, meticulously, Talk about oversaturating everything. June seventeenth, meticulously ridiculous. Uh, I hope everybody likes it. I'm sure it will divide a lot of the audience. But as we said the first time that I was on your show, better to be polarizing than neutralizing. And most of all, thank you for your support of gorberger because you, among the people that I love and admire are one of the people that really got it like you got the joke you came on the show you love the the whimsy of it the labyrinthine like puppetry of it absolutely um and so thank you so much for that because that's i want to make more of that and continue to make things like that that are both confusing astonishing and new excellent thank you you, sir well i appreciate it i love you uh enjoy the extended play ep and your boba fett talisman The right-hand man of Jabba the Hoot. Real juice, drink it up. Real juice, drink it up. Enjoy your burrito. Hashtag. Are we sure that I didn't say better to be polarizing than neutralizing? We are positive. Okay. But you know what? Only you would go back and have someone figure that out for sure. So the next time on the show, I'll tell you what. If, this is real, if it was you that said it, I will eat... Enough burritos, Abe will bring five, ten burritos, and I will eat enough burritos that I will stop enjoying it. <laughs> That's my promise to you. Wait, what, what, what number does that ca- ca- get to you? to? What if you get like
2: Sixth. a third of the <laughs> six? What if you get a third of the way into
0: the first burrito and you're like, you know what? I'm I don't. not i no longer enjoying. I, I was not. But the buddy, steak's I a little ate, dry. I ate two Italian beef sandwiches in less than a minute on Conan's live Chicago show. Okay, I can make it through more than a single burrito. Okay,
2: good. All right, the burrito challenge has been Lane. There down. is.
0: Yes, I'm sure listeners can actually. Yeah, they'll be able to. Just, they'll go back, check it out, and they'll decide. Or they'll decide my fate the fate of my tummy
2: (laughs) the fate of tj's colon is in your hand
0: the fate of tj's tummy the unauthorized autobiography his brain bled will his colon bleed which will it be (laughs) is it chipotle or a mom and pop shop like cactus (laughs) the end the end thank you chris oh
2: my god that was great
0: now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito
2: this episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Norton. Get the security you need and the speed you want with Norton Core. Go to norton.com slash nerdist to save $30 if you pre-order before July 1st.
1: Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from
0: heat domes